Hello and welcome to the How to Not Marry a Jerk podcast. This is a countercultural conversation about how to do relationships the biblical way. I hope in all that we say, you hear the loving voice of a father who's got a great future for you. My name is Nate Swanson. I'm the lead pastor at New City Church in Great Falls, Montana. I am joined by my beautiful wife, Rachel. Hey, it's me. Our church's youth pastor, Aaron Seibrand. Hello. And his amazing wife, Megan. Hey. Come on, let's dive into today's discussion. All right, I got a question for you as we launch into episode five. Here's the big question for the Cybrans and Rachel, you can answer this for us. Well, okay. Tell us about your first date. Oh, you can take this one. We went snowshoeing in the mountains. Ooh, fun. Yes. Did yeah. we get a flat tire that time? Uh, we did get a flat tire. So it was very, very romantic. Yeah. Uh, Jay was very generous and let me borrow my uh, now father-in-law, let me borrow his vehicle. We took it out into the mountains, got a flat tire, changed that. So she knew I was a man. From right from the get go. Nice. Yeah. She, she <laughs> could change a tire. Were you nervous at all about changing the tire? Like, oh, please don't let me mess this up. I've only done it three other times. <laughs> uh, no, actually, because I had worked in in various environments where I changed tires enough, sure. so it wasn't a big deal. So, yeah. Were you impressed with his manliness, Megan? Um, I don't remember, but I do remember being like, this would suck if you didn't know what to do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, it does an important life skill. It's true. It's true. My dad did teach me it, but I think it's much harder to remember as a female because typically, well, I mean, just cause the guy ends up doing it. Yeah. Typically. Like I'm like, if I had a flat tire now, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna call you. Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of old school here. So it's, I don't mind saying guys more than girls. Should know how to change a tire. So, and if you don't ask somebody, yeah, yeah, maybe I, Aaron and I could host a little workshop for all of our <laughs> listeners. Life skills. Guys show up at the church at this location this time. If we you have a small to, group, but they could attend and they could learn all sorts oh, that's of different right. automotive yeah, yeah. Men stuff. and machines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Men and machines, yeah. So. Shout out to Chuck Rourke. Way to go, buddy! Woohoo, Chuck! Chuck's the best. Yeah. Wow, Way guys, settle down. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the crowd went wild. I I would put it at ninety seven percent. Chuck would never hear this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to tell him just for the sake. But Shani will be all over it. It's the best podcast I've ever listened to. Okay, we are way off the rails. Uh, back to your date. So uh, yeah, what, so what was the plan? Like, hey, I'll pick you up at this time and bring your snowshoes. Or how did you? Yeah, so at that point, we had been communicating for a while. I had already talked to her dad. Oh. She didn't know that. I did not. Are you was, learning it just now? No. Oh. She was coming back from college, and we were just looking to get some time. And I think she probably knew that there was something <laughs> that I wanted to talk to her about. So, uh, well, I think we had a conversation where you were like, you you must have told me like oh yeah maybe cause, I because okay. we we had to talk about our past and our, our yeah. those things well that was the on there. the drive there yeah but yeah FYI if you're gonna go on a first date you, you should probably know the guy before you head into the mountains of no sale service like <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah I, I, I mean, had a pretty I good idea we were friends I had had a conversation with your dad yeah we how long had you known each other at this point uh, six months six months okay yeah and you were in college yeah so we spent Megan. probably well most of that time I was in college away in a different state. Yeah, so we yeah. Skyped 
or talked through the internet a couple times. Well, probably maybe like a couple times at the beginning of a month. And then by the time it was ready to have the conversation, probably once a week, we were probably talking on Skype. Yeah. Had you spoken to other people about your love interest? Mm-hmm. Certainly had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not beyond my roommate, because my roommate was always like, who are you Skyping? <laughs> yeah, I lived with Not them. even with your parents? Uh, I think I had brought it up to my parents, but it wasn't like a... I don't know. It wasn't like a long discussion, but it was kind of like, they were like, oh, I think you should go for it with this guy. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. They just had a good feeling. Well, my father-in-law had grilled me for about three hours when I asked. I mean, legitimately. Yeah. He had asked. We had about a three hour conversation. What was the hardest question he asked? <laughs> oh, man. Well, he asked me a lot of doctrinal, biblical questions. Wow. Uh, things on my He's views like, and stuff. Tell stands. me about Tulip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guys, I really think that this would be a great podcast to talk about. Like parents? Like what parents should do. Okay, uh, we'll have to save that for yeah. another yeah. episode. But yeah, so the plan was like, hey, I want to... Obviously, I think it by that point, it was pretty well known that we were interested in each other. And I wanted to have a conversation with her. So I picked her up borrowed the vehicle and we drove out in the mountains i brought the snowshoes from work at that point i had could get them through he work. had to borrow the vehicle not because he didn't was reckless it's because he actually had gotten a car accident and didn't have a vehicle that would yeah. work oh, for bummer. that nice. so that yeah. was why that's such that's a sad story don't that is sad it's one of the best cars i ever was owned it the Subaru? i rolled it yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll come back to that another time yeah. okay so did you have any revelations by the end of date one was there any like okay obviously you're together now but was there any bad things that had to kind of be repaired after the first date or was it like no that was a good notch up the scale we definitely need date two i I feel like the conversation about baggage in the past was a little overwhelming Uh i was like oh my gosh um but i i appreciate the honesty because i think well i would rather there weren't yeah. like necessarily yeah. details by any means, but it was basically like, "Hey, this is what I've gone through, and this is these yeah. are choices I've made." So he, had think, re- he had regrets from his past before mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah, and yeah. I think that was very helpful to know what like it was coming out of the intention of like, "This is what I want you to know that you're getting into." Um, so I think that was really helpful. Yeah, but it was overwhelming a little bit. But no one had really ever had that conversation with me before in past relationships. So I was yeah. like, Oh, well, I guess we're starting off on a real honest foot. So I'll say on, uh, on the other side, and this was in a relationship, uh, before Rachel, um, I was, I had actually been dating this girl for a while before she then opened up about her past and it was really, really hard. So I, I had preferred because of that experience I actually, similarly, when Rachel and I got together, I kind of unloaded on her really early in the relationship because, because it was, I felt like, man, it's a lot easier to digest and decide from the beginning, do I want to connect with this person who's bringing this kind of track record or baggage or history into the relationship? I wanted her to be able to assess that before her emotions got too attached to me because I knew it was inevitable. (laughs) And it was very accurate because I was like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> like it thanks random stranger yeah like i didn't know him well enough to be like really heartbroken over it i was like we just didn't know each other and that wasn't even on our first date that was like right in the before we're we to dated. know each other yeah. phase yeah i yeah. think i wouldn't regret that by any means that that conversation happened i yeah. think 
I was not as connected to our church at the time, so I didn't have the voices. Like, he probably had a lot more voices being like, hey, this is what you should do. This is how you should handle these conversations. And I probably could have used more of a like, hey, this is probably coming your way. You might want to think about anything you have to say. Because I was like, am I supposed to share things? I don't really know what I'm supposed to share. Instead, you just had your roommate. She's like, he's so dreamy. (laughs) Does he like pizza? Oh, my roommate was so mad at me because uh, she is like, she was 6'1, and she was like, Are you kidding me? Like, at one point, she was like, You short girls always get the tall guys. And and, uh, if you don't know us, Angela, if you don't know us in real life, we're about a foot apart in height. So um, she was very upset by that. She married a very tall guy. So it all worked out. Good. Well done. Yay. Yay. Yay for Angela. We don't need hands around here. <laughs> okay. Angela, okay, so this this is turning into a full-on discussion. It, it was is. supposed to be just a primer discussion. Sorry about that. So, uh, good for state. Snowshoeing. Snowshoeing for the win. If you're an outdoorsy person, no. If you're not an outdoorsy person, <laughs> please go snowshoeing at the first date. Yeah, and uh, call and let us know how it went. So yeah. Sounds great. Make sure you know them well enough, though, before you go to house like, totally Okay, funny. Rach, could you give, like, the 30-second version of our first date? So our first date when I went to Helena or our first date like when you, you came? decide we have we're, we're we have differing opinions on when our first date was. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So I guess <laughs> Nate like wanted to start kind of getting to know me. And so he came to Great Falls. Um, and I had also spoken to her dad and asked permission to start visiting her with the intent of dating her. Yeah. No one had told me that, and in my 19-year-old self, I was like, oh, of course this youth leader, like, wants to, like, help pastor me, because I'm having a... No, I was 18. (laughs) I was 18. So I definitely thought that our walk... Did we do a walk along the river? Yeah. That our walk along the river was way more of a pastoral thing and way less of a dating thing. Oh my gosh! Thing. Actually, I saw it fairly similar. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Okay, so I just admitted how dumb I am, <laughs> or was. Um, so we're a minute into your first date description, <laughs> <laughs> and then we did that, and then we went and we got a milkshake. Everything was closed. How weird is this? It was the 5th of July, and I only remember that. I only remember that because a lot of things were closed because it was the day after a holiday. Oh. How weird is that? That never happens anymore. Like, they're like, well, stay open on Christmas, but not the 5th of July. Uh, So Life was different in 1999. Yeah. I actually, that day, I was on my way to get my eyebrow pierced. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. And, um... Luckily, I didn't, because Nate would have not had that. Not Nate Swanson. He oh, ironed his over T-shirts. Now, but not them. <laughs> that would have been one of those pastoral conversations he would yeah. have with. Now you. listen, young lady. <laughs> first things first. Let's take out that eyebrow. <laughs> Anyways, we ended the night like we went and got a milkshake at Eddie's. Uh-huh. We ended the evening. Um, sitting in my parents' basement on separate couches, talking, and then we had infomercials on all night long. And on Nate, mute, 
Yeah, and Nate did voiceovers for the people, <laughs> and I laughed. And somehow we stayed up till like six in the morning doing that. Yeah. And oh when gosh. I say we were on separate couches, I really mean we were across the room from each other. And um, yeah, like. And I I lived in Helena at the time, yeah. which is about an hour and a half drive away ish. And I had to be to work at nine a.m. Oh, and I realized yeah. about seven a.m. Oh wow. I should leave now. I was late for work, got chewed out for that, almost died twice on the way home because I was falling asleep and almost running off the road. Wow. Yeah. So okay. you ended it by, it was nice seeing you, high five. <laughs> yeah, isn't that interesting? Like, wait, I mean, so your dad wasn't mad that like this guy had literally stayed in your basement all night long? I know, weird. Ske- sketchy to me too. <laughs> okay, but. Yeah. Top of the list of ways Bob and I are different. <laughs> Because I was like, I can't imagine you being okay with that. I mean, my brother was in the other room and like, okay. So Bob was listening in and he's like, this is really funny stuff. (laughs) This is really good. I really like this guy. Yeah. That's Uh, the weirdest infomercial I've ever heard. But then we, let's see, we started actually dating probably a month later or something. Maybe. Something like that. Does that seem right? I think. Uh, It was, it was within a few weeks, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Fun times. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, in our previous episode, we kind of whetted your appetite with talking about who it is you ought to marry. If you've missed that, uh, don't worry. You don't need to hear that in order to hear this because we're going to change things up. To uh, Our next episode will be kind of starting a deep dive into each of those traits. But today, as indicated by our opening question, we're going to talk about dating. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. How to date. Oh. I didn't know it was that one. I thought it was a little more romantic. Okay, we've been given electronic toys that we should not be trusted with, all right? Sorry, uh, Tom. Every now and then, there's some random sounds that will come out of this. That is not Tom's choice. He's much more professional. I thought it was great. Extreme dating. Extreme dating. I bet you they go snowshoeing in that show. All right, so um, I'm I'm actually if you're looking at my notes, if you're here at the table with me, I'm gonna I'm gonna neglect the first top part of it and just dive in. All right, so I want to get to talking about dating, and uh, I think when when we talk about dating, maybe depending on the generation you're a part of, you probably have a different mental picture. So maybe we can get to that in just a moment. But I want to talk about redefining dating, and um, uh, one of the, very simply, um, there's a, a scripture out of Song of Solomon that to me is just it sticks in my mind because it's so simple, but what it indicates is so much deeper. And, and it says this, that we need to catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. And um, very simply put, this is obviously metaphorical, biblical language. If you're new to the Bible, then sorry for that. But um, essentially what it's saying is it's little things that don't seem very threatening right. that can that can ruin great things to come. And um, I do think there's something about the dating process that can either be really good or really bad. Um, we've we've already spoken about this idea before that in any relationship, even with two amazing people, there are four ways it can go. Uh, number one, you can date really, really well and you can get married. And by date well, I mean, um, when, when we describe this process today, I'm saying if we, if you do what we talk about today, if you do it really well, I think you can you can date well, you can get married, and you can have a foundation that's solid for yeah. your years to come. Okay. Uh, another way you can go is you can date really well and then realize, hey, you know what? We're buddies, but we're not in love, and we're going to part our ways. And you can still maintain a friendship, respect yeah. each other, um, high five as you pass each other at church, be friends 
friends with each other's future spouses and it's not crazy, all right? So the two other ways are when you do it poorly. When you date poorly, um, when you get carnal, when you get selfish, when you do it like the world does, you can you can get married, but you've got a cracked foundation and you've got a lot of repair to do, right. rebuilding trust and rebuilding a lot of things for many years to come. And uh, frankly, far too often, that is the story most people are familiar with. Or you can date poorly. You can get carnal and selfish and, and impatient and all those things. And you can end up breaking up and what friendship you had before is shattered. Maybe even your circle of friends is shattered because you know you, you started there together. Uh, you end up maybe even leaving church, dividing other relationships. It's yeah. just you, you carry scar tissue with you into another relationship in the future. When you date poorly, there are a lot of consequences. So what we want to do today is share some, I want to share an overarching principle of how to redefine what dating ought to be. And then we're going to get really practical with this and give you guys some ideas. And this will be largely discussional. Last time was, uh, you know, probably too much of me talking and just kind of teaching through some ideas. Um, but this will be largely discussional. We're going to talk about dating. Um, the first thing I want to do is redefine date. Date, if you're not familiar with the English language, is spelled D-A-T-E. Oh. And I, I want to redefine that by giving it an acronym. Because I'm a child of the 80s. And if you were in church in the 80s, acronyms <coughs> were plum. Man, oh, they're yeah. all, all over the place. All right. So Maybe you should just spend the next five minutes listing off all the acronyms we can think of from the 80s. Oh, well, the only one that comes to mind immediately is... Jesus and me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jam. We we once had a pre preteen ministry in our church called Jam. Jesus and me. <laughs> Megan is so annoyed right now. What about Bible? <laughs> annoying. What was Bible? Basic instructions before leaving Earth. Good. I don't know any. No. Sorry. Oh man. <laughs> Eric Crawford, by the way, one of our pastors, uh, came to church in the Jam years <laughs> as a Jam attendee. He was a jammer. He was a jammer. I don't know what that's what they <laughs> called. Yeah. If you know Eric, just you know, just shoot him a text really quick and say, you know what? You silly little jammer. <laughs> you silly little jammer. You up oh, for a jamboree? <laughs> All right, so we're, we're going to go to a new acronym that uh, is based around D-A-T-E, and it is a new way of thinking about, da- uh, thinking about dating. It is a divine appointment to edify. Divine appointment to to edify and basically the idea is like divine means it's it's godly it's from god so god has given you an appointment when you're dating somebody you have a it is an opportunity it is a specific place and time it is a setting it is it is an appointment for the purpose to edify edify is to build up to encourage to to basically to to benefit another person with your contribution in their life so we're going to take a break and we're going to talk about this idea what does dating look like maybe what did dating look like in your in your era or how would when you hear date let me put it this way when you say oh they're dating what what in your mind um is typical of the world's way of approaching dating i'll throw that out for anybody oh tinder Okay. That's like, I feel like there are so many people. I mean, like, listen, if you have a great marriage and you started on Tinder, that's great. I'm glad you, glad you started there. But I don't know if that's been my first recommendation for anyone. Um, but I hear a lot about people, you meet people on Tinder. So. Yeah. For my generation, uh, it would probably be like the typical high school situation that you see in every movie of like, you know, Maddie and Tommy, they're going strong, you know, and this relationship of probably this, this super ugly 
awful relationship but they're dating you yeah. know i'd say that's how i see it uh or yeah really actually the best way to describe it in the way i would say that i saw it in my generation and the way that i dated before i was saved obviously is was what can i get from this relationship that benefits me mm-hmm. and you're gonna have to deal with the other end of that that yeah. might be the best way to describe it yeah yeah that's good what do you think rich how do you think people see dating or when, when you think of how the world looks at dating, what comes to mind for you? Well, I mean, I feel like, I feel like I don't have any great answers for that. Oh, okay. But I think it's changed generationally. Maybe yeah. that's why it's difficult to answer yeah. because I think in our, our it's parents' so generation, it was like, Oh, we're, they're going, going steady. steady. And, and there, I think there was <laughs> elements of that. At least when I was, you know, in high school in the nineties, there was elements of that. Like, I think the understanding when they said you were quote unquote dating, you were, there was an understanding you were exclusive. exclusive. Like, yeah. This is my boyfriend. I am, <laughs> this is my girlfriend. <laughs> I am her boyfriend. Whoopsies. And, and if I were to, you know, spend too much time with, or, you know, get a, get a phone call on my landline at home from another girl, or, mm-hmm. you know, is for sure. If I were to do anything physically with another girl, my girlfriend would have, she'd be totally justified in being hurt, offended, um, you know, breaking up with me, whatever. All right. So, but dating would sometimes include, we're going to actually, you know, we're going to get dressed up and I'm going to, you know, pick you up and we're going to go to a movie or whatever. But there was this overarching idea. We have an exclusive named relationship and, and that comes with, you know, monotony, just normal you know, we, we hang out sometimes, we see each other's family sometimes, we're, we're, we're the person that we normally sit by at a basketball game, whatever, but also then there are special things. You're the one that I go to prom with, and you're the one that I mm-hmm. buy things yeah. for on Christmas and Valentine's Day and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So would you say that was typical in your high school experience? Is that a big departure from what? Uh, I think it was typical as far as like what you did with your free time with that person. Like, yeah, you probably go to the movies or you go to prom together, that expectation. I think the way it typically started for me, at least, was always through like texting. Mm-hmm. Like it it would be like, I might have a class with this guy. He doesn't really talk to me in class. He just texts me outside of class mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Um, and we didn't we didn't really have social media as much in our generation. Like it was starting when we were in high school. Um, so it was just like everything was done through the phone. And you still had to use T9 though. So you didn't, I didn't have an iPhone until college. So, um, but yeah, I think it was a lot of communication via technology. And I think the sad thing about it was those many times where it was like, I would be talking to a guy that I was found out later was talking to multiple girls or, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. So it was kind of like not always as forthcoming or as honest because technology complicated things. I can definitely think like yeah. there were, there were ways, at least I was, and I'm not proud of how I was in high school, but I was secretive in different ways or kind of sly or maybe kind of approaching different girls at different times. Not, you know, cell phones were not a thing at all, you know, so I wasn't texting anybody. Um, but I think, I honestly, the, the, the sinful nature is such that I think you're going to find ways, if your heart is devious oh, sure. or deceptive or, or ashamed of what you're doing, you're going to find ways to cloak it and to, and to mask it, right? Um but I do think with the onset of technology and now, I mean, and we, we can go back to the Tinder conversation. It complicates that process because it is so much more accessible. It's easy. It's easier to be sly with Tinder or with texting than it was in my day when it's like I had to like whatever, write a note or go to this girl's house. Or, yeah, you actually or, had to call her and talk yeah. to her if you wanted to ask her out. Whereas it was like, I remember like 
being asked out via text and being like, oh, you know, that's fine. And later on, someone else being like, no, that is so like, if they can't face you in a conversation, like, why would you say yes to that? And at the time I was like, oh, that's a great point. I didn't think about that. But I just remember having a convert, like having a texting relationship with this guy. We never talked at school. I had like two (laughs) classes with him. We never talked. Wow. And it was just like our relationship existed on that. And it never went anywhere. Like, Would you have called him your boyfriend at the time? No. Okay. Interesting. Definitely not. So there was flirty. There was Yeah. I would have been like, oh, I'm interested in this guy. I like him. And that would be as far as it went. Um, But he never talked to me in person. So it was kind of like it died so quickly. Yeah. Okay. It's like you get bored with the chase. So I'm going to feel like a dinosaur here, but describe to me then the dynamic with Tinder these days. I Obviously, I'm aware of the way that Tinder is used for just for like sexual hookups. Uh, is there an element of Tinder that's only flirtatious or is it almost 100% designed for sexual hookups? Both, I think from my experience and conversations with people about it, you can find people that are looking for mutually exclusive, exclusive relationships. And there is doing that. And you can also find people that are just looking for an opportunity to find somebody that they can connect with on a physical element. I definitely think there's elements of both of those things. And yeah, it can be totally used as a tool of flirtation um, where you can initiate conversations. It takes a lot of the risk element out of it. You know, you can swipe on somebody and they don't swipe on you. So it takes, it really, it really does apply in this arena of like no risk needed for you to initiate something with somebody because you can swipe on them. That doesn't mean that they respond to you. Um, they could swipe the opposite on you. So, you know, there's that element of it where I think in my generation, like, and I say that, like, I'm so old, but like you typically knew of people, you knew who was dating and you knew who was engaged in that, uh, um, relationship, but there could be other things, you know, beyond that extra things going on, you know, out of that. So I think I would say Tinder is an element that you could get to know somebody, but I wouldn't call it dating. Yeah. A relationship I think it's smart to like emphasize that it's not just Tinder. Like I think there's a lot of different right. apps and different, I mean, we mentioned yeah. that a little bit, but I think maybe even just texting a person. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to just do it very secretively and very hidden. And, and with no risk. Like, I mm-hmm. think that's a big thing. It's like a little risk. You're not taking a risk, which at times, I mean, that can be helpful because you yeah. can test the water. But at other times, it's like they have no skin in the game. So like they have nothing they have to offer you and they have no transparency. Like they, they can be whoever they want to be. Reflecting on what you've heard? Consider sending us your questions. When you email podcast at newcity.church, your feedback could shape one of our future episodes. It's a simple way to keep the podcast relational and relevant for you. All right, so now after a, just a brief introduction to various viewpoints about dating and, you know, the Tinder world, the texting world, you know, our generation, whatever. But but maybe speaking to our audience, they may be more likely are used to the most current trends in dating. When we compare those ideas or those trends to this idea of a date being a divine appointment to edify, where's the conflict? Where's the contrast? What is, what would that look like? If, if my world is tender and I hear divine appointment to edify, what would I have to face or change? 
your dating has to become a lot more intentional because mm-hmm. Tinder to me is like a late night. You're just swiping. So you're not, you're not even thinking about repercussions. You're not thinking about anything in the future. You're just putting your feelers out there. So I yeah. think it would have to become a lot more intentional of like, no, I actually see something here that I'd like to pursue. And then I think also a lot of times those apps can be um, very self-seeking. So like you would have to change your mindset from like, what do I get out of a relationship to like, how do I build somebody up? Right. Yeah, I agree with Megan. I think the biggest thing is probably the intentionality behind it. I think divine appointment to me, an appointment is something that I've clearly set up, sought out and, and pursued, put it on my calendar, whatever you want to call it. There's an intentionality in that, that is not just by happenstance that this thing is coming uh, about, but it's something that I've put the effort and time and research and blah, 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 all of those other things into it to set that up, to start yeah. that process. So not not to confuse it with like, hey, let's go to the movie at 7 p.m. on Thursday night or whatever. But when, when you think about just in general about an appointment, to me, that communicates value, mm-hmm. right? Like I, right. I, I could be doing anything with my schedule. But instead, at this place, on this day, at this time, I'm going to be with you. So just in, just in, in any relationship, in any, in any side of society. But when we think about this as a divine appointment, a God-given appointment, to me, there's now another level of, okay, it's even not just me giving this person value by being intentional in the process, but, but God has actually given me an opportunity to build them up. Right. If 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 our lives are 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 coming together in some way, what's the word I'm looking for? If our lives are Trying. intertwining or they're intersecting in in some way to where now I'm I'm on your radar, you're on my radar. There is a level of risk, right? Like mm-hmm. if I'm going to step outside the the Tinder scenario and think, okay, I I actually really want to invest in this person. I want to I want to bring out something great in this person. I think I think risk is good because risk uh, the to to get away from the uh, the the Tinder mindset uh, when when I'm eliminating risk I'm thinking about me right mm-hmm. I'm thinking about like okay what what am I giving up and you know yeah. how am I going to look and I'm and be embarrassed if this doesn't work out right yeah. right so when I think no it really is about the other person so I'm okay taking a risk if this person senses value, mm-hmm. if this person really receives like, what what if they reject me fully? Well, at least at the very least, they know here's somebody that thinks they're awesome. Here's somebody that thinks they're worth pursuing. So whether it's a, a chat after church, and maybe we need to just go back to like, how do you actually start the dating process? Yeah. Like how does the dating process, how, how what would be a really good way for it to start? Because right now, I mean, there's text messages and there's DMs and there's mm-hmm. there's swiping and there's all kinds of ways where it can start poorly or maybe easily that don't communicate value because they eliminate all risk. Mm. I'm actually kind of, I'm old school in this. I think it's actually really good for a guy face to face, not with a handwritten note, circle, yes no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not with a text message, not with a swipe, but face to face, be able to say, hey, I'm... I'm wondering if you would be free on this time, uh, on this day, to go do whatever, because I'd like to start to get to know you. Mm-hmm. Man, that is way harder than texting something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Totally. But I, I think it communicates in the, value. In the church realm, a really bad way to do it is 
oh, I saw this girl up on stage and gosh, she looks good. So I'm going to figure out her number because I'm in a group chat that happens to have her number and I'm going to text her. Like that's a terrible way to go about that. Amen. I don't know of anyone that has done that. So if you're thinking, oh, I did that. Sorry, I didn't know that. But I think that is like such a right now kind of way that a church person could could go about um, starting that conversation. Like maybe like go up to them and meet them and introduce yourself and like yeah. start yeah. The, start the conversation that way. Don't start it via text. Exactly. Please. So so I just cut to like how you actually start maybe the dating yeah, pursuing. Yeah. But let maybe let's backtrack backtrack what what has preceded this in the ideal scenario. And we've we've been leaking this out over several sure. episodes, right? So maybe people know we don't think your first move should be, hey, go and approach the girl and take her to Applebee's on Thursday night, right? <laughs> right. So what should have preceded me setting up the date? Well, I think you go back to the episode we just did of like, what is a person known for? So at this point, there's there's no way on that list, unless you've been best friends your entire life, there's no way you're going to know everything about them. Right. right. And honestly, you probably shouldn't like for female to male relationships. Like there's just no way you can know the ins and outs of the opposite sex. And so having a conversation with somebody that um, would know and have the purview to be like, oh yeah, this person is awesome or like, oh, you're, they've got some stuff to work on. You should wait. Yeah. Um, so I think before you even consider talking to somebody or consider getting your heart involved in a risk um, that you should find out from other people, like leaders in their lives, like, is this person actually known for this and are they worth it? Because yeah. there are some people that put on a really good facade. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that in earlier earlier episodes about including people that would have the purview um, to give you opinions upon that person and their, their thoughts and those things. But I think a great place to start is like talking to somebody first and asking the question, do you think I'm ready to engage in a relationship starting there? And then if they say yes, then asking the question, well, I'm, I'm interested in this person. What are your thoughts? And listening to them and hearing them out. And then Maybe even asking, you know, I don't know, we all come from different family households and we all come from different areas like that. But if you have good godly parents asking them, you know, hey, what do you think? I'm thinking about getting in a relationship. Yeah. I'm thinking they might say the first thing you need to do is move out of our basement. <laughs> yeah. Start um, paying rent. Yeah, start paying rent. But they also might be able to give you a perspective on that person as well. And then... Um, yeah, I think an element of getting to know those people in a community of people, getting connected with them through groups and communities that yeah. provides um, a safety net for your heart. Yeah. I think if we dive too quickly into personal one-on-one -on -one relationship, we begin to tie things there that weren't intended to be tied. So being in an environment and in a community, um, you know, the first time I met Megan, she was with a gal that came into a restaurant I worked in. This next time we hung out, we hung out at a baseball field um, with a group of people and we were able to just have a conversation in that. And, and I learned a lot of things about her in that moment that were like, okay, I want to continue this conversation. Yeah. I want to see where this goes. Um, where she didn't even know in those moments, like, oh, this guy's interesting me he's not yeah. uh, uh he's not uh pursuing me or anything like that and then i left for a mission trip you know the next couple of days so i think pursuing in that element and then yeah i totally agree you know i could get into every detail of having a conversation with the father yeah before you're dating that person and before then, you talk to that person yeah yeah because like mm -hmm. what if you go like what if you're a guy and you start pursuing this girl texting her and the dad's like 
No. Yeah, but <laughs> like, I mean, we so were awkward. talking. We were right. talking. We were having conversations oh, over sure. Skype, you know. But like, it was hey, not confirmed that we on? liked each other at that yeah. point. Like, yeah. I had yeah. no idea you were interested in me. But I mean, that was a one on one conversation that we had had, you yeah. know, so there could have been things that were tied together in that moment. But I, I, I want to jump on that point, though. I think that's really important because if my hope is to build this person up, I don't want to create a rift between them and their parents or yeah. them and their their, their leaders advisors or, or counselors, yeah. whoever may be in their life. So if if they don't have a, a parent in the picture, then I want to be able to go to people that I know they look to and lean on and say, hey, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Could I have your blessing to start taking this step? Because if they have reservations, then I want to, I might need to back off, mm-hmm. but if I've already talked to her and then I back off because of something yeah. they said, they become the bad guy. Right. And now there's like, a, or you oh. just look like a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which kind of sucks for you. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So I, I think I like what you were saying about seeing them in different environments in group settings, right? Like if you're in a church setting, like go to a small group together, serve in a ministry together, like look for a way without being Not, a creep. I, Yeah. And I think it's when you say together, I think I hear, like I text Nate Swanson and I say, "Hey, do you want to go to Aaron and Megan's small group?" Sure. I think it's not that. Right. It's even like maybe being a little bit sneaky about it, right? Like, oh, I know they serve on first impressions, and so I'm going to join that team because I want to get to know them. Yeah. Well, you're just positioning yourself yes. closer to yeah. their lifestyle, so you can observe. Mm-hmm. Okay, they don't. They never show up to serve. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Right. There you go. Right. There's a red flag. So yeah, I think, okay, yes, thanks for the clarification. I think that is important. Don't plan it out with them, but without being a creep, get closer so you can get a better vantage point. Yeah. And then at a certain point when, when you're, you know, the advisors in your life, the advisors in their life and, and others are saying, you know what, full steam ahead, go for it. You then take the risk guys. I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. You then take the risk to man up and say, you know what? I'm interested in you. I'd like to take you out and start the process of getting to know you. And it's a big leap, but I think it's worth taking. If you value her, I think that shows value. Yeah. I just want to add something. A great reason of getting your leadership involved in this is they could potentially position you in a room with that person and not make it awkward. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of texting like, hey, I'm going to text this random group of six people and invite invite Megan to it. (laughs) Like, just allow them like through their community and their things. Maybe they're having a hangout at their house. Right. And you can have that conversation. They know, they they have an awareness of that. They might be willing to invite that person and take some of the awkward and weirdness out of it. And then you're also protected in that environment of like somebody you know, your spiritual leader could be like, dude, you were so stinking weird tonight. Like everybody knew yeah. you liked Megan, like chill out a little yeah. bit and pursue this with wisdom, you know, or something like that. Yeah. And we all Match need making. people like that. We all need people like that in our life that mm-hmm. just, cause when you, uh, man, when you really want something, you can get weird. And I think we need people to balance us. So true. Okay. So, uh, let's turn the corner a little bit. Let's say you're in a dating relationship. Um, it has started to, you know, it's solidified. You understand that they like you, you like them that, you know, you, you've, again, you've, you've done it well up to this point. How do you structure your relationship in a way that it can stay healthy and it can stay God centered? I want to, I want to suggest intentional time together 
and intentional time apart. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that and just kind of kind of mine from from you here. Uh, what does that mean and what would that look like? Intentional time together. Let's talk about first of all just with friends. How could you be intentional about time together? Let, let's say maybe you're you're coming from two different friend groups and and now you're you're joining your lives or figuring out if you're joining your lives. What does intentional time together with friends look like? I mean like game night and is that what you're talking about? Like, sure. yeah, I think even ha it, I think once you get the like green light, like, Hey, people around you are cheering this on. I think then you set up things, not even you, but your friends will help set up things like gathering together to I don't know, play pickleball or play volleyball or go to the gym or whatever. But it's like group hangouts. Cause then you get to see that person around other people and you get to see, you know what? He's really weird around people. And I feel like he and I have a connection, but he does not get along with my friends. Or you get to see, oh my gosh, all my friends love him. Like, this is great. This is working out well. So yeah, that's yeah. exactly what was on my mind for sure. So let, we can talk more about that if you'd like, but let's talk about intentional time together with each other's families. Yeah, I think this is important to see um, how that person fits into your family. Because if you, there is a rift between dad and the boyfriend like that's awkward yeah. and that's not fun when you're asking for her hand in marriage and the dad is like nah, don't like you uh mm -hmm. so i think helping it helps your families build trust too and it helps them be involved in the process and i think um a lot of times it's easy as a young adult um when you think I've got this all figured out to just exclude your parents and be like, they don't know anything. Yeah. Um, but really they raised you. And so they've, they've got to know something. And even if your family is weird and dysfunctional, like you, you're going to have to spend holidays together if you yeah. plan on marrying this person. So you might as well help them figure out how to <laughs> integrate into yeah. your little dysfunctional family. Yeah. Honor your father and mother. Yeah. Right? There are ways that I, when we were in our dating process, I would watch Rachel interact with my family and it gave me so much more respect for her, but it also like it, it helped me value my family more because there was times I was in that season where it was just like, you know, my parents were stupid and my siblings were too. And, and it was easy no, for me to they are not. No, no, no. But in that time frame, it was <laughs> yeah. easy for me to see their shortcomings. Right. And it was really cool to watch. Like I, I saw character in Rachel and, and goodness in her in the way she interacted with them and showed them value. And honestly, it made me feel way more in love with her because I, I just saw what, what a kind and gracious and patient person that she really was. But obviously, I got a chance, my family had a chance to then get a vantage point of who this girl was and yeah. give me their input. Totally. Yeah. I think if your family's doing or has things that are organized, it's easily to invite somebody. If you guys are doing dinners and those things, like inviting that person to come to that environment. And I think you got you get to see them for real. You yeah. know, in those moments, and they get to see your family for real. Yeah, I just want to caveat this with the first time I met Aaron's family was on Christmas Eve, which is way too big of a oh, holiday yeah. to That's meet intense. someone's family after Trial you've only fire. been on one date. Yeah, oh. so wow. it was a little intense. The, the timing just was. Yes, yeah. it was it a was poor choice, but the whole family was in town. Yeah. You know what? I wonder if it's just overwhelming, no matter what, because the first time I met Nate's family was at Ben's fourth birthday. Oh, <laughs> shout out to Ben! Yeah. Yeah, Ben Alberto, um, the little four-year-old. And it was so overwhelming. Like, you guys just constantly move. And 
everyone's wiped down that table 17 times and you, you guys are loud and uh, like I don't know what to do it was just overwhelming because yeah. it was all brand new people so well I think coming into anybody's just, family is awkward yeah. at times and uncomfortable and that's why it's important to spend time with other people's yes. families to yeah. know like this is what life could be like I, I think there's an element here too you've got to if you're dating somebody and you want them to be well received by your family you want to kind of coach them and help them out you know, because yes. my family values hard work as an example. And so if we showed up at something and, and Rachel was just like chilling on the couch, because in her mind, she's thinking, they got it. They don't need my help. My family would think poorly of that kind of a thing. Mm, so sure. it, and I don't even know if I did this. I probably didn't. But I would I would coach myself now as young Nate. I would coach myself to say, hey, set her up for success and let her know. If you jump up and help in the kitchen, like my mom, that'll go a long way with my mom. That'll help her to respect you more and, and be more excited sure. about you. On the flip side, like if you're, you know, the family's moving or your sister needs help with something or, or whatever's happening and this person you're interested in is not helpful at all or they're dismissive or they're whatever, I think that shows you a little bit about them as well. Maybe mm -hmm. something you wouldn't see in another environment. Yeah. All right, let's let's keep moving. So, mm -hmm. intentional time together with the church family. If I'm thinking of like this is dating this person is a divine appointment to edify, to build them up. Why is intentional time together with the church family important? You know, uh, when we first started dating, we spent a lot of our dates over at an older couple's house. They weren't crazy old, actually. They're younger than us than we are now, but they helped us through a lot of stuff. Like they would just talk about normal life issues and so normal life issues would come to the surface in the conversation and we got to see each other around their kids and got to see like how we responded to their correction or their friendship or their leadership or their guidance or whatever i i think it was a huge benefit yeah. to us in our early years of marriage and i think that's huge if you can get an older couple and I don't mean old, I just mean older than you. Yeah, more established in marriage. Yeah. In a healthy marriage. That you can be around, especially especially if you don't have that, like if you haven't had that example, if you can have that around you in your dating relationship, I think it's huge. Like you will reap so many benefits from yeah. um, having that relationship. We serve together in youth ministry. I'm uh, just volunteering, leading a middle school group. And it was fun to watch just our gifting and our personalities. Right kind of mesh or not mesh and sort through that um times it didn't mesh when he made me play games with the junior high kids and i did not want to play them <laughs> he made me jump through a table and i was like no i don't want to do that and he's like come on do it do it do it i was like oh jump through a table it's a long story it's it was, a game it was two stacked tables it was, it was foreshadowing for the rest of our lives but That's i literally what that was. was like i could break my arm like this 12 year old boy is way more nimble than i am and i'm like your arms heal jump <laughs> yeah i think you get to see back to serving or being in the church family a lot of times you'll get to see elements of them that you might not see like in a work environment so you'll get to see like their rough edges or how they come off in a situation that's going poorly or badly um, and serving in the church and being around the church family is a great place for that to happen and for that to, to come out and I, I love we have several young adult couples that we've spent time with over the years some of them are married some of them aren't and I just think back on those times of like them saying like I just 
want i got to see how a husband would treat his wife or i got to see how a wife would treat their husband and i got to see how he interacted with that environment or how she interacted with that environment so i think that's helpful for sure to be around those people and then if i'm honest like i'm a pretty bold personality so i'll call things out that i think are like if if a couple that is dating i'm like you got to change that that's going to be unhealthy in your marriage or things like that so that's helpful as well i think it's interesting to watch like in a in a serving environment, serving in whatever, youth ministry, nursery, ushers, whatever it may be, how do people respond to stress? Mm-hmm. How do they respond to disappointment? How do they respond to somebody demanding more than seems reasonable? And like, how do they respond to the hard things? Because marriage brings with it its fair share of hard things. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it's like as soon as they have an attitude, oh, not, you're, you're, you're hitting the road, I'm done with you. But... I think it's important to at least be able to go into marriage with a better sense of who this person is and you know what are the things that that can set them off what are the things that can bother them or burden them and then can that be become a discussion where again I'm edifying them I'm building them up mm-hmm. not just evaluating them but looking for way to ways to encourage them ways to balance them ways to ways to even uh, to to point out the good things and draw those to the surface maybe even help them see you're probably not a great fit for youth ministry tree but i think where you would shine is over here you know you're more technical or whatever yeah that's good yeah i highly recommend if you are dating to start serving together i think there's nothing like that that will help you like it just it it helps your relationship so much it helps you figure each other out a lot and I, I love this idea. We're going we're gonna to share one more thought on this intentional time together. You should spend intentional time together with Jesus, like praying, reading your Bible, looking for ways to grow spiritually. In all of these things, imagine this. What if, what if your relationship ended, but you did it well, and they were better as a friend? Yeah. And they were better toward their family and they were, they were, they were more equipped and, and more fruitful with their church family and they were closer to Jesus. Yeah. 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 Like, honestly, that should be our goal because mm-hmm. it's a divine appointment to edify. I want to make them better. I want to yeah. build them up. Like that is a complete 180 from the way the world sees dating, mm-hmm. right? The world sees dating as posturing so that I look good. I feel mm-hmm. good. I'm, I'm, I'm served and I'm applauded and I'm pampered. What if instead we made it our goal to just improve, not improve this person? Like I'm going to fix you, but I want to, I want to draw what's good out of you and I want to, I want to better you. I want to equip you and edify you. That'd be amazing. So let's talk about time intentionally uh, with Jesus time and intentional time spent together with Jesus. Um, Any, any cautions about that or any, any encouragement with that? What could that look like in a dating relationship? And is there anything to watch out for? Um, I think you could practically pray together, do a devotional or Bible reading together. I don't think it has to be like a, we always do this at this time. I mean, I know there's been some couples that are like, they have a Tuesday night phone call and they do their devotions together. And that's cool if that works on your schedule. But I think just making sure that you both have a very good understanding of each other's relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Um, because it can be easy to just go through the motions on something or to fake it and you don't want to enter into a relationship with someone that you find out like oh they actually never read their bible and they're really good at attending church and that's it but right like that's not deep enough Mm -hmm. to carry into a marriage um and so just being able to understand more how they interact with god yeah 
Absolutely. I, I think that's the key right there. Mm-hmm. Like if you're trying to pray with this person and it's awkward or forced or they're just letting you do all the heavy lifting mm-hmm. and waiting till you're done, that was a nice prayer. Good job. Uh, that's probably going to tell you something. You want to know they're connected with Christ. Yeah. And remember that if they're not, like maybe they are brand newly saved. Give them time. Remember the labor's appetite ooh, I can't, works for him. Works for him. Like when they hear, well, you don't, I don't feel like you have a strong relationship with God. That might actually prompt them to dig in deeper to the Lord and, and start to read his word and start to know him better. And that's who you want to marry. You don't want to marry someone that doesn't have a clue about Jesus and yeah. it's awkward to pray with and they never worship and um, getting them to church is difficult. You know, yeah. you want to marry someone that has a solid relationship with the Lord. Let me amend that slightly. I think it'd be good to say something along the lines of, I think it'd be really good for you to grow in your relationship with God. Keep yeah. it on the positive rather than yeah. saying you don't have this with God. Say, Hey, you could have this with God. Yeah. I think it's really important for you to go into this season and grow in your relationship. And it's critical that you own that opinion and you're not yes. parroting your parents, your pastor, your small group right. leader. Oh, you know what? I would love to stay with you, but they're telling me we should break up because you're not very spiritual. Yeah. yeah. You just <laughs> created so many problems. Yes. If you yes. use that kind of mentality, you, you're not edifying that person. No. You are wrecking so many things that God yes. could do. Well, I think another point with edifying someone is if you do find you're in the place where you recognize, okay, this person needs more time with Jesus, the best thing you can do is completely back out and let them know. Like, yeah. hey, I really would love for you to have these times with Jesus. It does not make sense for us to continue in this. And for now, I'm going to cut my communication so you can focus. Because mm-hmm. there is nothing worse than when a couple is like, we're going to build each other towards Jesus. And you can tell one of them maybe really needs that. Maybe they are a new believer. The other person is just a heavy weight dragging them down because you're just distracted by your feelings and your heart and your hormones. And it is the, the best thing you can do in that situation is to clearly communicate with them why and to step away and just say, you really do need this. And I would love to be here when you're ready. Yeah, that's good. All right, so I think we can do this quickly, but let's talk about intentional time apart. So we talked about we need to be intentional about what we do together, but I think there's times when we could be together and we shouldn't be together. Right. If we're dating, like there's times we should be alone and I'll, the same list. Uh, we should we should have time with our friends apart from one another. We should have time with our family apart from one another. Time with the church apart from one another and time with Jesus all on our own, not with the other person there. Uh, comment on any of these and tell me why those are important. For all of them, like you're dating, you're not married. So you're not one. So there's still personal development and that happens in marriage as well. But there's way more of an of a intertwining that happens when you're married. I mean, scripturally, we could go yeah. into the two became one. Mm-hmm. That's part of marriage. In the dating atmosphere, you're still not that. So there, you need to be developing as the one of, of who you are. So um, let me say that better. You should be personally still developing and growing and all of those atmospheres. Actually, I would say your friendships should still be growing. Your family, your relationship with your family should still be growing. Your relationship with the church family should still be growing. Yeah. And your time with Jesus should still yeah. be growing. And one of the greatest detriments I see in relationships happen, even good couples that I would say they had the things going right. They get so focused on one of each other. They start to dismiss these things 
they start to get rid of these things and they find themselves up where they can't live without or their relationship is so intertwined at that point that they don't know life separate. Right. And you just aren't designed to function that way. You're not designed to be in that community. And then it, when they break up, they're just absolutely destroyed and wrecked because mm-hmm. they put everything in that person. Yeah. They left friendships behind. They left yeah. family behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even if they enter into marriage, I think they enter into a very lonely season of marriage where it's like, mm-hmm. now we have no couple friends. Now we have who do we spend time with? Like, you know, if your husband works all the time, it's like, well, now I sit at home alone. Um, And so I think you need support in marriage in those relationships. You need support from your church. You need support from your friends. And if you have a really godly family, like you'll want their support. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you dismiss those in the dating relationship, then in your marriage, you'll have to course correct. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, guys. Amen. That's true. I think, um, why don't we share some just final thoughts on dating well, um, and, and any, any other, even practical input, like how can you do this? Well, how can you stay the course? What are some pitfalls that you can avoid that, that, um, uh, others sadly don't. I think a great thing to do in this arena is if you're dating and you're in a relationship that you should have two people that you both agree on, that those are, are, um, safety people that we can go to them and we can communicate where we're at, how we're struggling, how we're suffering. And you can do that apart from one another, that Megan should have the security to go and talk to a female that is trusted, that is known. And you want to carry that into marriage, Mm -hmm. but even in dating, because, you know, like she said, hormones and those things can get out of whack and you might do something or push a boundary or you might do something and they get freaked out and they need to have a conversation with somebody. And you need to have a trust of that person. And then also you should be building a relationship with those people where you can openly ask questions in your relationship. A great one is like setting up clear boundaries to yeah. keep you pure in your relationship. Hold on, but you're both Christians and you love Jesus. You're not going to do anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. Nothing good happens after midnight. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's scriptural evidence of that, yeah. right? That nothing good happens after midnight. And one of our first boundaries with every couple we talk to is you are never alone after midnight. Like that just, you can be with friends after midnight, but you are never alone with after midnight because you just don't think the same way after midnight when you're tired and she, her hand is warm and your hand is warm and her lips look nice and (laughs) (laughs) you know, whatever. It's getting uh, steamy in here. (laughs) It's getting steamy, yeah. Um, So you're saying you should have friends that you trust and like you, you should know, like I've, I've given Megan permission to go and talk to this person. I know who that person is and I know mm-hmm. when she's yeah. having those conversations and then I've got the same, I've got a partner that I can kind of unload on and vent to. And, yep. But they they, they help us give guidelines to where we go and what we do and all that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're open and accountable to them. We're, they're not keeping us accountable. We're accountable to them in our relationship when we're making mistakes or when things are going well. Yeah. Yeah, I think in that, it's really good to not leave it at they have to ask the right questions. Uh, I mean, accountability in general. I don't think that the person should have to, the mentee should have to ask the right, or the mentor should have to ask the right questions. It should be you bringing the information to that person and asking for guidance. Yeah, Yeah. I think my final thought is just um, clarity and intentionality is kindness. Like Mm -hmm. you can so quickly destroy a friendship or relationship by just thoughtlessly texting someone flirty things. And it just, Mm -hmm. it happens so much. 
and it just makes me so sad in our culture and I have gotten on a couple of our young adults about this before because I'm like you are texting this girl and you are so unclear you're just leading her on and then they have to ghost her for a moment there to get their stuff in a group to go talk to the right people and whatever but I think just being upfront in your communication and being intentional about the way you pursue things will set up the right foundation and you'll be able to either enter that relationship with a really good foundation of like, I know exactly where we are at and what we're headed towards, or you got rejected. That's great. Move on. Yeah. 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 Um, My final thought is that like, what a gift to be able to look at a date that way as a divine appointment to edify. I think if every single date went that way, whether you break up or you're married for the rest of your life, you've spent those times building that person up and making Mm -hmm. that person a way greater person than they would be. And I think that's really a gift to be able to do that in people's lives. We're going to get into more detail in future episodes about just uh, sexual purity and how you, how you really do fight to do that well. Um, But I, I think in broad strokes, I think you want to remember this uh, until you're married, this is a brother or sister in Christ. Right. Biblically, guys, biblically, a, a girl is either your mother or your sister or your wife. So until she's your wife, she's your sister. And you want to treat her as such. And that can sound so Puritan and so backward. But you want to remember that you are you, you are dating somebody's future wife. Yeah. And if it's not yours, then you're adding decay in her marriage. You're cracking the foundation of her next marriage. And if you care about her as a sister in Christ, if you care about your future relationship and your future wife, then you're going to learn to to wage the right war and and do this with accountability. I think Aaron gave really great insight into that. You want to have accountability and you want to have clarity. So uh, I would say uh, to uh, echo another thing that Aaron said, Dating is not married. And I think there are a lot of people who grow up in the church. They grow up in a Christian home. And so because of that, they value loyalty. And so for them, dating can equal marriage. And they can they can feel like because they're dating, they have to be loyal and they have to they have to make it through the good and the bad and they have to hold on and make it work no matter what. And that's absolutely not true. There are things that'll get difficult in dating that should be an indication that you should break up. And it'll be better for you both spiritually if you break up. You want to remember that you are accountable to God. You are pursuing Christ. Mm -hmm. And don't get this, girls will get this false mentality if they've been raised in the church, like he's the head of the home, so he should be the head of our relationship. No, he's not. He's he's a boy, that's what he is. And he is accountable to Jesus and you are too. And the best thing that some, sometimes the best thing you can do for the person you're dating is break up with them because you want to edify them. You want to build them up and you don't want to stay as a point of temptation in their life. Yeah. yeah. Well, this kind of got heavy right here at the it's end. Good. Yeah. Any jokes we want to share before we close well, this off? So a guy walks in. No. I had a joke, <laughs> but I know I'll mess it up. So we don't have time. <laughs> Good one. all right uh megan would you be willing to pray for our listeners today yes 
God, I just uh, thank you for everybody who is tuning in today. God, I pray that you would bless them um, and just even bring more clarity to the way that they pursue relationships. God, I pray for um, conviction if it's needed, God, but I pray that you would just, um, as they walk out godly relationships, God, that you would guide the way, that you would show them, and that you would provide the right people and counsel in their lives so that they really could have a really great dating life that edifies um, another person, God. And I pray that you would help them as they remove um, obstacles or selfish desires in their own heart. Um, as they work to be right with you, God, I pray that you would help them along the way. In your name, amen. Amen.